It's the best bits of the week with Morgan number two. Welcome, y'all, to the best bits of the week. I'm Morgan number two. Thanks for hanging out with me this weekend. If this is your first time listening, what I do every week is take the best seven segments from our show and I count them down based on all of y'all's engagement online, phone calls, texting, all the things that you guys do with engagement. And I decide which bits y'all love the most. And then I bring them on here. And my favorite part is I bring somebody with me and we kind of do some behind the scenes. We talk about the show bits. We also, you know, go off the rails a little. You never know what you're going to get. But this weekend, I'm bringing on Mike D. And we're going to get a little more information on his wedding. And, you know, he's now a purse holder. So that too. All right. In at number seven, Eddie, he plans to read his seven-year-old son's locked journal. I know this has been like a whole debate and so many of you online have a lot of opinions on this and Eddie really hasn't listened to them. So we get an update on how he's feeling, what he's going to do and why he's doing it. So listen now, this is a pretty funny update. Number seven. Let's go. Last week, producer Eddie shared with us that he found his seven-year-old's locked journal and Eddie wants to read his kid's journal. Mm -hmm. Got a lock on it. So we talked about it. Should he open that journal and read it? I said no. What do you think? No. We, yeah, no. We'd already, we decided my daughter wants a locked journal, and no, I'm get, we got her one, and I wouldn't read it. And you said? Read it. So it was two to one in mm-hmm. the room. So Lunchbox went out and talked to folks. Here's number one. Open it up and read it. Why? Safety. Now, hold on. Stop for a second. Let, yeah. let me show you who you asking. You asking a mother with three kids, a 31-year-old, a 30-year-old and a 28-year-old. So you've lived through it. I've lived through this. What if it's something in there that you can prevent from happening? Right. In that case, that's called safety. You're not friends. You're not friends. What are your parents? You're, you're a parent and a child. <laughs> I feel like she's scaring you. Yeah, he's all scared. He's, he's like, a, he's he's a, a parent, parent, man. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. Okay, that's good. I, li- I do like her perspective. I uh, hear another one. I would maybe ask him, like, I just told you I have this locked journal. Like, is there anything you feel like you need to share with me? And what if he says no? I had a journal when I was a kid. It was locked, and I literally drew pictures in it. I don't know. I feel like you're kind of breaking a boundary if you just look at it. Now, if you feel like he starts having, like, suspicious behavior, like he's acting a little abnormal, I would look at it because who knows how he's feeling. Think of it this way. If you never found it, if you wouldn't be worried about him, then I wouldn't open it. So now, how old was she? Because she sounds really young. Yeah, but that Very was actually opposite from the parent. She ended that with a really wise statement. What she said. Now, th- separate, take the journal out. If you weren't worried about him, like if he's not displaying any sort of behavior that's causing you any concern, you wouldn't be worried about reading the journal. Take the journal out. Hmm. Like, is your son doing behavior that's nah, concerning? Pretty normal. Okay, then don't read the journal. That's what I say. Oh, but you can't be like, hey, what's in the journal? And he's like, nothing. You believe him, but if he's like, I, 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 oh, if he starts stuttering and like, oh, you're hiding something. <laughs> uh, one more. Here you go. Well, you know, when you're a kid, you really have no privacy. That's what my, that's what my granny ever always said. Nothing was locked. Oh, yeah. Okay, so if that was your kid, would you open it? Probably, just to be nosy, because oh. there was no nothing was ever locked in my house. The people have spoken. They she sounds know. like me. They say to unlock it and read it. Where are you on this? Yeah, unlock it and read it. Are you going to read it? Uh, probably. But uh, why? Well, but I do. I do think I'm going to take the approach of uh, asking him first. Be like, hey, what's in your journal? Like, let's 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 look through it. I think he's going to be cool about it. Let's be real. What's in there, Bones? Really, he's seven years old. Yeah. So why break that boundary? I just curiosity. I want to know what's in there. So and, and and like the lady said at the end, there's no privacy in our home. Just a question here. 
your curiosity is more important to you than his sense of privacy? Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, seven years old, yes. Okay. That's, that's all I wanted to know. You're the dad. You parent your own way. <laughs> it's the best bits of the week Show. with Morgan number two. Every once in a while, we get a really interesting call on the phone. And this week, David from Virginia called in to talk about his fiance and his cat. Okay, there's this whole situation happening where his fiance wants him to give up their cat. Mike, I don't know about you, but I was laughing this whole segment. Yeah, and I think right after we did this call, we were like, is that a real human? Was that a real person? Yeah, like, and we it just was. Get pranked? No, it was a real person. <laughs> he had so many opinions about his fiance that he totally was hoping to share with the entire world. Yeah. And but my whole thought process during this whole thing, regardless of like their relationship, I was like, yo, we don't give up the cat. Like that's yeah. not what happens. <laughs> Somehow throughout this segment, I think it got brought up that okay, you know, eventually you get rid of the cat. But I'm like, no. I would stand my ground and I would not get rid of that cat. I think there's a lot of things you can do before getting rid of the cat. And his story just gets crazier and crazier that you'll hear. Yes. So if you missed this one, I'm telling you, listen to it now. You'll get some good laughs in and share your opinions with us. If you didn't get to share how you felt about David in Virginia with his fiance and the cat, then hit us up at Bobby Bone Show on all the socials because I bet you'll have a funny reaction too. Number six. Let's go over and talk to David, who is in Virginia. David, what's up, buddy? Hey, what's up? Is this Bobby Bones? It is, man. What can I do for you? Hey, nothing, man. I was just talking to the lady. I would need some advice on what to do with my fiance and the cat in our relationship. Okay. Our cat is two years old pretty much now, and she's been with us for since she was six weeks. My fiance, who I've been with for over three years now, and I proposed to on Valentine's Day this year, she says that the cat is putting a wedge between our relationship, and it's either the cat has to go or it's either that we're going to split up. So I need to know what to do between what to do with the cat and what to do with her, man. It's weird that someone would say a cat's driving a wedge between them. Yeah, what's up with the cat? Like, what yeah. does the cat is do cat that's so bad? Like attacking her while she sleeps or what? No, I mean, the, listen, the, the cat goes in heat, and y'all can already kind of guess what that means, the barking and the meowing and the stuff like that. And she gets sick of it, and it irritates her. And so she's telling you, get rid of the cat or get rid of me. Pretty much. Which way do you lean? Just right now, he's asking you. Are you leaning? To, which one are you getting leaning toward getting rid of? I mean, man, you already know the you already know the answer to that one. No, we don't. We have no idea. <laughs> it's yeah, a girl, guys. No, I it's think it might cat be cat. Gotta, <laughs> it's the cat that got to go on me. But sometimes I wish it might be flip flop. <laughs> <laughs> but but what's the percentage though? Like eighty five percent the cat needs to go, and fifteen percent the fiance needs to go. Like what what's that percentage? 50 50, man, honestly. Oh, wow. See? <laughs> I told you guys. Yeah, he doesn't know. Because I'm going to be honest. When she argues with me, I'd rather her be 100% to go. Because <laughs> the cat don't argue back. The cat's like my side chick. She don't argue back when we start arguing. Side Your chick. side chick? Uh-huh. What? Okay, uh-huh. but also in relationships, you know that there's like you have to sometimes work through problems and have there's confrontation at times. Right. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but no, uh, this, yeah. This is what I'm going to say. This is what I say. I've heard enough. I've heard enough. <laughs> I'm going to say that, it, one, it stinks that she's saying get rid of the cat or me. I think that's also a flag for future situations. That doesn't mean get rid of her, but I think it's something 
that you have to prepare yourself for that she may just be like, always, all right, get rid of this or me. Does she try to dictate your life? I mean, honestly, I'm gonna be real. Yes, she does. I make, I make, I make great paycheck. I'm at work right now speaking, and um, I make great pay. And you know what I do with my paycheck every Friday? What? It goes straight to that woman, six hundred dollars every week. <laughs> wow. Right? Why write to her? And then why, why? I do what she wants. I give her money, and I only even ask for about maybe sixty-five, seventy, eighty dollars of spending money to have. For me while I'm uh, at work, and uh, she tries to argue with me about that. Oh but gosh, man, it's the cat that's got to go. It's crazy that this uh, jealousy over a cat, a woman, and a, a human and an animal. Yeah. I mean, come on now, man. <laughs> Is she a, a jealous person in general? Uh, she's got a. Uh, she's like. Um, got a complex, pretty much. If I ain't showing her no attention, she feels like I'm cheating on her. Guys, I was starting to, at first when this started, I was like, of course you get rid of the cat, but I ain't feeling that. <laughs> She's off to a bad I start. I ain't feeling like that anymore. She's getting this whole paycheck. She's jealous. <laughs> Amy, I'm going to come to you. I'm going to go to you first. You are the woman here. Well, I don't know all the details of each person, obviously, and your relationship, but I would say you need to, to maybe do a pros and cons list. Those are always helpful to like put pen to paper and see where you know the cat falls, where the girl falls. Yeah. But also, I would just evaluate like you're working hard, and do you want to be in a relationship? I don't know, maybe you do. Where you know you're being controlled and all your money's going to one person. Like to me, it doesn't sound like. You mean you maybe need to set some boundaries in the relationship anyway, and she may not like that, and she may break up with you. Problem well, solved. Also, do you have kids? Yeah. Oh man, we got a twelve-year-old, oh. a seven-year-old, a three-year-old, and a two-year-old. Oh, well, that's why the money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why the- Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. Jerry. Okay, Jerry. ignore what I said. I don't want your kids to find a pros and cons list. Get, you gotta <laughs> get rid of the cat. All right, you have kids involved. We're now to the, you gotta get rid of the cat if one of them has to go. It, but you have to find a home to to raise the cat. This is a big life decision. I Hopefully you have some other people you can talk to as well. No, nope, we're good. We've settled <laughs> it for you, David. We're experts. All right, man. I appreciate y'all so much. Is, hey, is this... there any way I can put on a song request? Hold on. No. <laughs> is, this... A song to her. is this bigger than the cat, David? It's pretty much arguments every day, but when the cat starts... Uh, when she feels like I'm showing the cat more attention, she gets jealous. She feels like I'm showing her more attention, or the cat. Poor cat. Pretty much, I'm, what it boils down to, I'm with a jealous woman that I've been with for three years. That she has three kids of her own, and we have one together. But she don't understand that if I really wanted to go somewhere and leave her and her three kids, then I would not be. I would not be there, and I would not bring her my paycheck every week. But she fails to neglect that. If I wanted to leave, I could do so. I'm 27 years old. I could do exactly what I want. I'm a working man every day. Yeah. Which she fails to neglect. Yeah. I think she fails but to recognize I'm not, that. I'm yeah. not that guy. I'm the guy that took on a vow to take care of them kids, which I did with, when we got together. And that's what I'm going to keep doing. Okay. So the cat's got to go, but the woman's got to stop arguing. Yeah. There we go. Oh, there we go. Yeah, we, yeah, just yeah. we just talked our way out of it. Woo. Yeah. All right. We don't do a lot of song requests, honestly, here on the show, but what song would you have requested if we were to do one? My Kind of Crazy by Brantley Gilbert. Oh, uh, is oh, that? Okay. okay. That's going to ex- end up in some domestic. Yeah. No, we're not doing, we're not going to play a song about her being crazy, but we'll play a clip of it. Oh. All right, David, appreciate you, buddy. Appreciate that call. Go, You got to find a home for that cat. That's your goal, okay? A loving home. All right, man. I appreciate it. All right, there he is. There he is. Yeah. There he is. Get David, back to everybody. work. Get back to work. And here is a clip of Brantley Gilbert, my Girl's crazy. No, my, <laughs> my, my, my kind of crazy. crazy. My kind of crazy. Yeah.
of the week with Morgan number two. We had another spill the tea moment on the show this week and surprise, it wasn't Lunchbox and Eddie, but Lunchbox was still involved. He spilled the tea on Scuba Steve. Now, Mike, I want to know if there's ever been like a moment that you really wanted to spill the tea on someone on the show, but you're like, yeah, I shouldn't do that. Well, the thing is, I find out things about Lunchbox sometimes. But Lunchbox almost has no shame to the point to where if you did spill the tea on him, he wouldn't care. No, so, he would defend it. Yeah, there's instances where I was like, I should probably bring that up on the show, but then he'll bring it in the next day as like being <laughs> proud of it. So I'm like, I don't think I could spill the tea on Lunchbox. Um, he is unteable for me. Yeah, I feel like that's super true with Lunchbox. Like he really does do a lot of things where you're like, oh, that would be so funny to like talk about him. But then he'd be like, yeah, no, that was me. I did that. And you'd have to have a really strong defense to go in on Lunchbox. So I was like, I don't think I have the energy or the brain space to take care of that. So I'll, I will not spill it on him. Well, and I will say, I mean, I think it's just really more of whenever, you know, the show's over and we're all just kind of hanging out and like really letting our guard down because during the show, we're all so like focused on work. Yeah. So then when we're just hanging out here, there's a lot of random things that happen. Like I've wanted to spill the tea on Eddie so many times and I'll say it because it's nothing bad but he would like come in sometimes and he'd have like his zipper down and it was just like a really awkward situation because it's like me and Eddie and I'm like Eddie like why is this happening right now and he's like sorry 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 and I'm like that's not appropriate in this room (laughs) I think that happens with us it's like that time we have right after the show is over in between we're all still hanging out, finishing things up before we go home. I think that's where a lot of our prep happens because we're hanging out, somebody's doing something ridiculous or somebody's doing something like, why are they doing that right now? And I kind of see everybody either make a mental note or put something in their phone of like, oh, you're going to prep that later, aren't you? (laughs) Well, it's so funny too, because show prep, you don't know it's coming. Like it is a hundred percent out there and until it happens on the show, you're like, I did not know anybody even knew I was doing that. Yeah, that's a thing that Bobby's always kind of wanted to have that element on the show. And he wants everybody's genuine reaction when they hear it on the air for the first time. So I think keeping people just to the point where he knows what's going on and it's a surprise to everybody else has that element when we do it live. of Like, oh, this is your genuine reaction. I think the only person he's allowed to like in that kind of see behind the scenes with that is me. And it's kind of weird. <laughs> You're like, I know everything. I'm like, I know too much. <laughs> you have so many secrets. I'm pretty sure you could blackmail all of us with something that you know. <laughs> <laughs> I am great at keeping secrets, though. So that would, that would never happen. This is true. You really are. You're like the guard of secret keepers. Like, you, If there was a superpower of secret keeping, I think it would be you. I think the other thing, though, is that I'm so quiet. Like Nobody really assumes anything. <laughs> and they're like... Who's he going to tell anyway? He never talks. So what you're saying is it's always the quiet ones. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So it is, that is a cool behind the scenes part too. Like, so every day we all send in prep, like news stories and personal things that happen in our life. We send it to Mike, Mike sends it to Bobby and that's all that happens. Like, and then Bobby just determines whatever happens on the show. Yep. That's how it goes. 
<laughs> and that's so funny because I don't think a lot of people really know how that goes down. But, you know, sometimes we think something's really funny in our lives, but it's really not that funny. And I think the best part is you'll send something again you think is A+. plus. It's going to make it on the show. It never does. And then sometimes it gets brought up randomly later. And you're like, see, I knew it was a good idea. <laughs> you're like, wait, that was like forever ago and you just remembered it? Yeah, it, that has happened for, before when like something will get brought up with me. And I'm like, wait, I think I brought that up like two months ago. What, yeah. Where did that just come from? <laughs> but, you know, we're always leaning into basically everything in our life. Because also the whole hard part about prep is that we have to have interesting lives and yeah. like on the daily lives really aren't that interesting you know what i mean yeah you, you like almost have to go out and do things to yeah. have something to send in because you're yeah. like and during a freaking pandemic yeah like, when, when were our lives interesting when you're sitting at your house like a spider crawl on me cool i remember those first two months we were just completely in our house it was basically the show of what did you do in your house yesterday yes. it was the weirdest time it was so weird so yeah at least we have more interesting lives now because we're starting to be able to do things but it's definitely probably the hardest part of this job is i'm like man i really need to like pick up some hobbies or something because i don't feel like i'm an interesting person yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but here it is this is lunchbox he spilled the tea on scuba steve and mike and i pretty much never spill the tea on anyone because it just kind of stays there exactly <laughs> but you will hear some yelling during the segment scuba steve kind of went back at lunchbox so it's it's good number five Lunchbox wants to spill the tea on somebody on the show? Of course he does. Oh, wait, wait, can we guess? Is it Eddie? I mean, why, well, why well, not? Well, hit that button, Raymond, if you have it. Let's spill the tea! It's your uh, your stage, Lunchbox. Yeah, so I want to spill the tea on Scuba Steve. Ooh. I mean, we are going to rename him Steve the Purse Holder because he got a call from his wife. He's in there working, and his wife's like, hey, I'm at the mall, and I need you to come carry my bags. And Scuba runs out of the building. He's like, okay, I got to go. I got to go. And he picks up his stuff all in a hurry to go carry bags at the mall. So he is no longer Scuba Steve. He's Steve the bag holder. How embarrassing. Is it purse holder? I, there's no way this is the story. No, no, not well, purse. Bag. Also, good. Okay, well, He's I a, good, that's a good husband. No, no, no. He left work early. He wasn't even. But I'm here every freaking day till yeah, 5, 6 him. p.m. while you're at home hanging with the kids, eating get dinner, him. enjoying oh, wait, life. And no. I'm still here. So I take one day to do something nice for my wife right. and hold the no, bags no, no. for her while she was on four months from maternity leave and went back to work and was feeling nice. a little bit about herself and wanted to buy something nice for herself. Nice. So I carried the bags for her as a good husband and soulmate should do. But what does it mean leaving work early? What time did you get that text? I left at 12.30. Are you kidding me? That is which early is, for which is early. No, 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 but that's not early for, By our terms. Uh, but yeah, he yeah. can leave anytime after 10.01 if he has no, to. No, he I'll can wait, leave what? anytime he wants, guys. It's the fact that he was doing work and she said, hey, I need my bags held. He's like, I'll be right there. Good. I want to yeah. know what Lunchbox was doing so late at work. Yeah. Well, Eddie, see, you know, I know you don't think I work, but I do work. So, <laughs> you know. But so this is what I'm going to say. This is what I've learned. Yeah. You, know, you guys know this more than I do, and I'm just now starting to learn it now. I have posted a video on Instagram or a picture, and it was Caitlin and I together, and Someone's like, you you are everything you used to make fun of. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, I was stupid then. Mm-hmm. Whenever things are happier at home, everything goes better for me, just in general. So if your wife, if your number one needs anything and you can do it, 
do it. Yeah, and she sacrificed her whole career to come here for me to move to Nashville. She left the job that she had and loved. So if she has something that, ne that she needs, I'll do what she needs. And in this scenario, she I had to hold her bags. So, so what? And we got to enjoy some time together. How did he see that text or email? Because uh, I was like, I had, a, I was in a mad rush. I was like, hey, my wife needs me. I gotta go. And he's like, where are you, where are you going? You got stuff to do. And I'm like, who are you? You're not my boss. And I said, is everything you okay? You asked him, who are you? you got stuff to wow. do. Well, he said, my wife needs me. I said, is everything okay? He goes, yeah, he, she needs me to hold her bags at the mall. I was like, wow, dude. <laughs> like that's embarrassing. <laughs> Steve, the bag holder, no longer. That scuba name Steve. is not gonna pick up. <laughs> no, scuba well, Steve because it, uh, the alliteration. Scuba Steve, right? Yeah, the bag holder. It doesn't even go together. Well, you're the one holding the bags, man, not me. Okay. And you think he's blank. Whipped. Okay. And, okay. and yeah. you are? I run the relationship. Trust me. If my wife called me and said, hey, I'm at the mall. I need you to carry my bags. I'd be like, get a shopping cart. But also. Ugh. Or I'd be like, you're buying too much crap. Okay. <sighs> okay. Never mind. I mean, it's not. It's like every, everyone with... that's on Team Scuba say aye. 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 Everybody that's on Team Lunchbox. Aye. Aye. E aye. Hold on, Nico Jackson <laughs> checked in. Aye. You know I'm on Lunchbox's side. I wouldn't go to the mall with my wife. Nico, you're not married. Ah, well, I used to be. Really? What happened? Oh, uh, yeah, she passed away. So wait, wait, you went and passed away. Why did you really? go? So we're doing a comedy bit and you went dark. Because he's trying to get sympathy or empathy. Uh, yes. One of the two. Whatever they are. I didn't know which one you want me to do. Okay. She left me because I wouldn't hold her bags at the mall. Okay, see, okay, now so we're talking. That was better than she died. Yeah, she and left she, me. She, she found that's some why guy, she left She you. found some oh, guy no. named Steve the Bag Holder. <laughs> see, <laughs> that was funny. That's good improv. Yes. You killed the bit with... There you go, lunch. She passed away unexpectedly in her sleep. <laughs> what the? Well, I don't want to keep going. Ray, would you hit that button so we can end this part of this conversation? That was Let's Spill the Tea. It's the Bobby Bones Show. It's the best bits of the week with Morgan number two. On the show this week, we had the famous actor Dean Norris. Many of you know him on Breaking Bad as Hank. He played a really epic role there, and he talked all about Breaking Bad plus his new TV show. So, yeah, did you love that interview? Mike, you love movies and TV shows. I do, and I love Breaking Bad, and I think we were talking about how that was, like, the first show we binged watch. And I remember taking an entire, I don't know, a couple weeks to watch the entire season of or a series of Breaking Bad, and that was really cool to get to talk to him. Is there an actor? You've gotten to talk to some cool people that I think were really big moments, like um, even Steven's the girl. Yeah. Um, you got to talk to her, and that was really cool for me. But there, is there, like, a list for you, like, your Mount Rushmore of actors, actresses that you would love to talk to. Oh, yeah. See, the thing with me is I love movies and I feel like really big movie stars are really hard to get a hold of. And they also don't do many interviews. Yeah. So I think like Leonardo DiCaprio would be up there on mine, probably like Brad Pitt. And then on the music side, for sure, Post Malone. We've been trying to get him on the show in yes. some capacity. He's my favorite artist. So. That would be like the biggest one for me. Well, and you obviously have, you know, Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. Do you ever watch TV shows? I know you watch movies and I know you love them, but do you watch TV shows ever? Yeah, I I watch I watch a lot of TV shows that have to do with movies. Like I watch that the, relate. Yeah, like okay. Falcon and the Winter Soldier. That was the last thing I watched. Oh, let's talk about that. Yeah. You did watch it. Yep. Okay. So good. I loved it because Captain America, the Winter Soldier is besides the Avengers movie is my favorite Marvel movie. Okay. 
And so when this came out, I was like, oh, my God, this is like my time to shine. I love this this movie series, everything about it. And I also love Captain America. Right. So I was kind of set up to be disappointed because it wasn't going to be Chris Evans. But I was so oddly like happy with the entire series. What did you think about it? Oddly enough, it wasn't my favorite. Really? Yeah. Okay. So what, See, what did you not like about it? I felt like I won't spoil anything, but the entire thing is six episodes. I felt like it could have been one movie. Yeah. I wasn't, every time I turned on an episode, I don't think I, it kept my attention the entire time. I thought the whole story of what happened was cool, and now they're talking about how it's going to lead to a Captain America 4 movie, but watching that show, I wasn't excited every week. It didn't leave me as in awe as uh, WandaVision did before that, yeah. but also just Captain America in general is not my favorite, so if he is your favorite, I can see why you loved it, Yeah, that makes but sense. for me, it wasn't quite there for me. Yeah, well, and WandaVision really, like, set it up. The the thing that's kind of surprising me with these is that, like, Marvel really is known for their movie series. They really don't do a lot of TV shows. It's not really their bread and butter, right? Yeah, they're kind of getting into it now with all the Disney Plus stuff. Yes, but they're only doing, like, six or ten episodes. I'm like, yo, this is not how this works. <laughs> you got to give me a lot more content than that because I could binge this See, in, like, a day. Yeah, you watch shows so fast. <laughs> like, a show will come out at midnight, and it's like... The next day you've seen the entire series. How do you do that? <laughs> I, I mean, I just binge watch things while I'm working. Like, I'm really good at multitasking. And I always have to have something on in the background. So I just find a show and I just start binge watching it while I'm doing all of my work at home. And that's kind of my way of, like, being involved, I guess. Yeah. I'm not sure how I can keep up with things at the same time. I think I put, like, my mind on overdrive, which is probably why I pass yeah. out so hard at night. <laughs> But that's typically what I do. I like just put it on throughout the whole day and it's just kind of on while I'm doing everything. So with that show, though, coming out once a week, how do you feel like with that kind of schedule versus when they release all the episodes at once? I have like a love hate relationship with it. I right? think I like it more. Well, it makes me like wait and like really anticipate it and get excited. But then I'm like sitting there and I'm like, OK, well, I want to know what happens next. My patience is gone because of the binge culture. Yeah. You know? I think I got burnt out on the binge culture because I would just watch the next episode for the sake of watching it or trying to... I have a weird thing in my brain where I try to like clear off an entire list. So when I see an entire series, I'm going to try to get through it as fast as I can. And with the one episode a week, it kind of allows me to digest each one and enjoy it more. That's how I felt with it. So I'm into it. I know some people don't like it because you can't binge it all in a weekend, but I think it makes it more enjoyable. Yeah, I mean, you're totally right. I mean, like I said, like, I definitely miss details. And then I'll get on TikTok and I'll be like, hey, wait, I, I, I didn't yeah. realize that moment <laughs> happened. And then I'll go back and watch it. But what about when um, Anthony Mackie, mm -hmm. who was the Falcon without giving too many details, when he, like, got revealed? Yeah. How did you feel in that moment? That was the moment that, that did it for me. Like, that was the moment when I was watching that show. I got hype and it made me excited for it. I needed that more throughout the entire series. More moments like that. Yeah, for sure. And and definitely the whole idea of the White Wolf, which is could be really cool in the coming years with Marvel movies. Yeah. And also I'm trying to like talk on this without giving to yeah. because I know it's like so new. Um, but then the it was when he got revealed. But then the other moment when he had like his speech at the end where I kind of got chills and I was like, OK, like this solidifies why he is becoming who he's becoming. Yeah. Did, that, did you yeah, feel that way? Okay. That, that makes sense. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Okay. So besides Marvel stuff or like, you know, TV shows that's been into movies, has there been a TV show that you like love? A recent one? Yeah. Recent or just ever. I mean, of all time, my favorite show 
is The Simpsons. And yeah, that's not a movie. I mean, that. And that's, yeah, that's a straight on full TV show. I think the entire basis on if I'm any ounce of kind of like funny when it comes to writing or doing any kind of jokes, I think I owe it all to The Simpsons. Like they kind of, as a kid, created my mind of like how to see the world differently and how to see the world with a sense of humor. And I think it was watching all those seasons as a kid that made me want to do something like that. And even the episodes now, I still enjoy them. And over the course of my entire life, I've related everything that's gone on with me to an episode of The Simpsons. So that's been my favorite show, I, a show that I can watch any single episode, know every single word to. <laughs> so that, that's been my ultimate. Well, and I could totally see that. I see the relation between that humor and your humor and the, the way that you connect the two. I also know you've said that you would love like your kind of ultimate dream job would be to be a writer for a TV show or movie, right? Yeah. So would you hope to write for something like Simpsons or are you just open to any kind of writing? I mean, I'm open to anything. Like I would love to write even just one episode on the Simpsons, <laughs> even a line of the Simpsons, like, like the, them the, take the, a, nope, like what, if I take, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or if they like took a tweet and like, Hey, we want to use that in the show. That would be like the ultimate thing. I think even now, like, um, we've been doing the new on time with Bobby Bones Twitch show, which I write. And I've found the most enjoyment out of that than any of the new projects I've taken on recently, because that show basically starts with a blank word document. And I go in and try to build the entire show, which we do interviews, we do games but we do like a monologue where I'm writing jokes for Bobby and that's been the most fulfilling to me. And I've taken, you know, things I've learned from the Simpsons to create that. So for me, writing is just fun because it's literally taking nothing, putting a bunch of words on a piece of paper and trying to make something entertaining. So that's why I love it. I love that. So, so say right now, somebody reaches out to you and you could be a writer for a TV show or for a production company or network or something. Would you take that jump? Uh, right now, I <laughs> I don't think I'm there yet. I think I'm sharpening my skills right now to be there someday. Yeah. I don't think I'm ready for it yet. I'm just trying out kind of my voice as a writer and how to do it more effectively and just write things that are just better than I'm doing right now. I don't think I'm at that level yet. So maybe five years, I'd be there. Okay. So it's the it's kind of the ultimate dream job and potential rest of your life career. Yeah. Okay. And were you like big on writing in high school or did this become like after high school? Pro I mean, I always, I was in a band all throughout junior high, high school where I would write songs. But then it was when I got to college that I started taking on more creative writing. So I took a bunch of like poetry, like essay class, <laughs> like even like technical writing, like how to write a freaking manual. I learned how to do that just because I've always loved it. And I think like I was saying earlier, it's because I'm a quiet guy. Yeah. That I communicate the best through words. Even now, I think we'll talk later about my wedding, but getting ready to write my vows. Oh, yes. Hold on to yeah. that because I have that question. <laughs> yeah, but like I, I'm a lot more efficient with getting words out when I write them than I do speaking sometimes. And it's weird for a person who works in radio, does a podcast, <laughs> that I'd say that I'm a better writer than I am speaker. But that's, yeah, that's how it is. Well, I feel like just talking about this subject, I think when you get to talk about something you're passionate about, I think you're really good at talking about it. Like you're sitting here talking to me and it's no big deal. That's true. So, but I know you. And I <laughs> <laughs> this is fair. And it's something you're really excited about too, though. And that could have something to do with it. You know, you're like, I don't want to just talk about nothing. Yeah. You know? That's true. How are you in like... Because I know we're similar in some ways, but when it comes to being like in a social situation, 
Can you go in with people that you don't know and just immediately start a conversation? Yes. See, I envy that. (laughs) (laughs) I go into a situation like that and I say no words and hang out in the background. I wish I could be more like you. Well, to be fair, alcohol helps with that. I'm not going to lie about that. (laughs) But I still could. Like, I just, I hate awkward things. I'm really, like, uncomfortable when things are awkward. So instead of ever letting it get to that, I just talk. So I'm like, I'm just going to, like, get out of the awkwardness. So, like, for me, that's what makes me uncomfortable. So instead, I, like, try to make sure that never happens. So you can't have a lull in a conversation, even with a stranger. You have to fill that time. No, like, Mike, when I would go on dates and, like, I would go on, obviously, you know, not good dates. And somebody would, like, not be a good talker. And I'd just be, I would be making up stuff so hard. Like, I would just be like, okay, so when you were a child, (laughs) um, (laughs) what did you like to do? Like, I can make a conversation out of an orange really like I could talk to a brick wall but that's genuinely just out of the fact that I hate awkwardness like lunchbox loves being awkward and me even being around him sometimes makes yeah. me uncomfortable because I hate awkward things. you do love, you do hate awkward yeah things. like it just makes it makes me cringe I don't know see I'm the opposite I thrive in silence like I got my <laughs> hair cut last week and they do that thing where they kind of you know make the small talk yes I give like I'm like, I'm good just sitting here and saying nothing. And I think sometimes they respect that. They're like, you know what? We talk to people all day long. And I've, I think I've asked my person before, like, do you like care about small talk? You know, like they're like, it's nice to have a break sometimes. So we say nothing throughout the entire haircut. And I love it. That's so funny to me. <laughs> oh, I love that. But also, like, that's why it's so cool to have friendships with so many different kinds of people. Because I think you need that balance in your life. I think you need somebody who wants to be the social butterfly and you need someone who doesn't want to be that and just kind of wants to hang out and live in that silence. I think that's really awesome. I think that's where friendships thrive is when you're just different and you kind of blend the two together and you're like, okay, this works. Somehow it works. And somehow it works with me and Bobby because we are both like that. We can go an entire trip together and say nothing (laughs) and we're (laughs) fine with it. That's like, that's how we work together because we are both that way. Yeah, that's There's true. not like a microphone in front of our faces. Yeah, that's true. He, I, You know, Bobby could be really silent when he's not in front of the mic, and that would probably shock some people because he's so outgoing on the radio. Yeah. But that's cool. But, I mean, Mike just gave you a nice little tidbit there. Yeah. <laughs> Take him away from the show, put him in a just a situation where we're hanging out, and he'll say like five words maybe. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. When, he, when we would go out to the bars and stuff, I mean, he would love to like dance, but he thrived and just kind of chilling there and living in the moment. And not really, like, talking much. And he's probably taking mental notes about what he can talk about on the show later. That's yes. how he works. <laughs> yeah, yeah he, would, he would always bring out his little notepad <laughs> on his phone and write down something. I'm like, oh, gosh, here we go. <laughs> oh, well, that was a fun little talk. But before we get into more conversations, because we are so going to talk about your wedding, here is Dean Norris on the show talking Breaking Bad, the United States of Al, all the cool things that he's doing right now. So here we go. Number four. We're about to talk to Dean Norris, who you may know as Hank from Breaking Bad, the bald brother-in-law yes. of Walter White. Yep. Right. He's on a comedy now on CBS. We all watch Breaking Bad, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, so good. That started everything for us, like binging television. That's how it started. Maybe. Nah, I think I'd already binged like Mad Men. Oh. And- okay. <laughs> well, Around me, that then. same time. But for me, I think that was it too. That or Orange <laughs> is the New Black back in the day. So he's got a new show on we're going to talk about, but he, he's like, hey, come on, talk about Breaking Bad if you want. Since we're all such big fans, thought we'd get him on. So here he is, Dean Norris, a.k.a. Hank from Breaking Bad. On the Bobby Bones Show now. Dean Norris. You guys can check out Dean in United States of Al. It's comedy. It's out now. 
uh, on CBS on Thursdays, also streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Dean, so happy to have you. So great to talk to you. How are you, man? Hey, I'm great, man. Thank you for having me. Uh, uh, feeling good. Yeah, me too. And how important is it for you, because you're hopping into a comedy, you're coming off a show where everybody knows your face from Breaking Bad. Like, that next step is pretty important, right? Why did you choose to go over and do a comedy? Yeah, um, you know, I'm going to do something completely different than I've been doing before, and sitcoms about as different as you can get from from a you know serious drama show. And had uh, the great Chuck Lorre uh, said he had a role for me, and I was like, great, uh, that's somebody I really want to work with. If I'm going to do a sitcom, obviously, <laughs> he's done a few shows. Is there a- um, and and that was it. So. Is there a preparation involved in uh, that's different when you're going to shoot, uh, you know, a, a 30 minute sitcom versus, you know, when you're doing the the, the big drama role of Breaking Bad? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, the uh, sitcom is, you know, it's much more of a it's a live. Even though we don't have a full live audience because of COVID right now, it is shot as if we're in front of a live audience, and we have a lot of producers and writers and kind of a smaller audience there. So there's kind of a theater feel to it, you know, getting ready uh, and, and doing the show as opposed to, uh, you know, 16-hour days of shooting a drama. Do you ever crack? I mean, it's a comedy, and you're not supposed to laugh. Oh, yeah. Oh, we crack all the time. We have such a good time. I love my cast. We get along very well, and we have so many laughs offset. And they inevitably get uh, to when to when we're filming. So we we have a lot of times where uh, all of us crack. So walk my listeners through the the plot, like the, the storyline of United States of Al, and why you think it'd be great for them to check it out just once, because then they'll be hooked for sure. Yeah, great. It's a it's a I play a guy named Art Dugan, who is a Midwest uh, military vet, and my son comes home from Afghanistan. He's a Marine. And he has some troubles adjusting. He has some PTSD. His marriage is falling apart. And then he brings his uh, interpreter, uh, Al, who uh, he gets him uh, over here. And just as a side note, that's a very important thing that's out there, and I didn't realize it until the show. But uh, once you're an, uh, uh, an interpreter in Afghanistan, now you have a target on your back because you help the U.S. So getting them over here is a matter of saving their lives. So he comes over, and he and, and my son live uh, in my garage. <laughs> and I also have a daughter who lost uh, her fiancé to the war, and she lives with me too, an adult daughter. And we, you know, it's a, it's a really, seems like a really serious topic, and it is, but we deal with it through comedy. United States of Al, Thursdays on CBS, streaming anytime on Paramount+. Plus. Are you good at memorizing scripts? Like, I always felt like it was such a struggle remembering anything. Will you sit down and read the script and know it in a day? I'm pretty good at, at, at reading at, at memorizing scripts. Yeah, it's uh, it has never been a problem for me. Thank goodness. <laughs> Will they let you ad lib at all? Since you're, you know, really one of the finer actors of the last twenty years. They 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 allow us to ad lib. We certainly we certainly can pitch our own jokes if we think that we have a funnier line, and we'll throw it out there. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. So yeah, they definitely allow that to happen. How do they tell you it doesn't? They're just like, eh, eh, sorry, go back to the original. <laughs> That's pretty much it, man. There's nothing. 
there's no, there's no like, hey, sorry to, sorry to break it to you. They're like, that didn't work, Norris. <laughs> That's pretty funny. And it, listen, I know when I perform, I like to be told right away so I can just go on to the next thing. Does that ever hurt when yeah. you're like, oh, I got this. I'm going to nail this joke. And then you're like, you try it. And they're like, nah, it wasn't that good. Uh, no, man, there's so many of them, you know. That and that's just part of the process. And the writers too. On the day, they will you'll do the scene, and then they'll throw you four different lines um, to try. So they're pitching them too, and and some of them work, some of them don't work. So you went to Harvard. So we're always pitching. Wait, you let me get yeah. this straight. You went to Harvard. I did. Dang, you are fancier than we ever thought, Dean. <laughs> I was the first person in my entire family to go to college, let alone uh, Harvard. How do you? But what about you? What was the skill set that you used to get Harvard to accept you in? Because you had to be pretty elite. Was it acting? Uh, it was not acting. Um, I was, you know, I was a valedictorian in my class. I was, uh, I did, I did well on my uh, on my SATs and all that stuff, and you know. Well, I guess I wrote a a good uh, a good essay to get in. How many schools did you apply to, and did you expect to get into Harvard? Were you that good of a student? Were you like, I'm for sure getting in? I definitely didn't say that, but I, I applied to several of the Ivy League, and, um, and and got into a couple. Oh well, then maybe who rejected you? <laughs> Dang, who didn't let you in, Dean? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he didn't want to say it. That's okay. That's all right. That's all right. Uh, well, listen, I hope you guys check out United States of Al. It's a, it's a very funny show. Thursdays on CBS. And you, you will recognize his face because we all are massive Breaking Bad fans. If you go out now, does everybody just – are they like, that's, that's Hank from Breaking Bad? Yeah, pretty much. Are you tired yeah. of it yet? Are you like, let me move on with my life? Or are you like, you know what, I am. Let's talk about it. Yeah, I, I don't say, yeah, I am. Let's talk about it. But I'm not tired of it by any means. Uh, you know, it was, it was a great show, and I'm I was, I'm I'm lucky to have been a part of it. So uh, anybody that 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 appreciates that and expresses that to me, I'm I'm fine with it. Did they give you the full script for each episode, or just your lines so that no spoilers would leak? Yeah, they gave us the full scripts. Uh, toward the end, they would they would black out certain stuff, and you'd have to read it in a in a special room uh, because they didn't want it to, to fall into the wrong hands. But, yeah, generally they would give you the whole script. I actually would try to not read parts of them because I wanted to enjoy the show as a fan on Sunday nights when it aired. So I'd read my stuff, and then I'd try to, as much as I could, avoid other stuff. So I was as shocked or surprised watching the show as anybody else. What was the day like for you when the finale aired? It was uh, surreal, man. It was uh, it was crazy. Um, actually, two episodes before, when I spoil alert, uh, things don't work out for Hank. There was this big party that uh, that the all these like Hollywood mega powerful people were at to watch the the episode Osmondias, and it was like I mean I can tell you the who's who of people in Hollywood, and it was really surreal to have all them kind of sitting in this big house watching um, watching that episode. United States of Al, from the pilot to when you guys started in production, and the same thing with Breaking Bad, pilot to we got picked up production, what's the, what's the difference in how long those took? Uh, it, very short for United States of Al. 
Um, partly because of Chuck Lorre, I'm assuming, and partly because that uh, we'd been trying to make this since last April, and it wasn't until uh, now that we got to really get into it. Uh, and uh, uh, Breaking Bad took uh, quite some time because – you know, you have to imagine at the time it was a crazy story. <laughs> and, uh, I, you know, we all we all thought it was like one of the best things that we'd ever read and been in. But we all felt like, boy, is this going to make it on the air? How are they going to, you know, they, how are they going to market this, blah, blah, blah. And thank, thank goodness AMC did the right thing. So you didn't have to audition for United States of Al. Am I hearing that right? Right. Did you have to audition for Breaking Bad? Oh, yeah. Do you know who you beat? If so, tell us. <laughs> <laughs> He's a really sweet. No, I don't know. Who I beat. <laughs> what? Tell- I think I was. I will be honest with you, and I hope this didn't sound immodest, but I think once I met Vince, we were. They were pretty convinced I could. I was the guy. I didn't even. Even when you, you have these things, they call you do a test in front of the eight, in front of the network, and uh, I'm not even sure anybody else was there. Tell me what an audition process is like. Earlier in your career, you know, you were just auditioning for roles. Just you just go up to a room and is it like the movies where there's like twelve people sitting around in the same room and you just walk in and do your thing around the other people you're competing against? It's it's exactly that. It's exactly that. It's ridiculous. It's a it's a stupid process. Um, I actually enjoyed it because I uh, I got you know it was a chance for me to perform that day. But it's just a ridiculous process to, you know, read, be in a role with somebody who's reading it. Yeah, and you're sitting, literally sitting against three other, three other bald guys are sitting across from me, you know. And I'm like, oh, okay, what role are you guys going for? <laughs> you know? Well, listen, let me encourage everybody to check out United States of Al. Thursdays on CBS, streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Obviously, we're big fans of Breaking Bad as well. And I think probably a lot of people see you on that and go, I should check this show out because I loved Hank so much on Breaking Bad, and you're just such a great actor. I had no idea you went to Harvard until I was doing a little research, and I was like, not only is he a great actor, he's, he's fancy, darling. That's right. He's, he's fancy Dean. That's right, from Harvard. Hey, Dean, we appreciate your time. You guys can follow Dean J. Norris on Instagram, and you guys check out United States of Al. Dean, have a great day. Thank you. Thank you so much, man. Have a great one. Bye-bye. It's the best bits of the week with Morgan number 2. This week we found out that Bobby plans to not have a first look at his wedding. Also, he kind of talked about some other things that may happen during the wedding, including him crying. So, Mike, I know your wedding's coming up because I'm going to be there and I'm so excited. And I know you're probably really excited, but we're like, I mean, a month and a half away. Yeah, it's close. <laughs> yeah, like, are you counting down the days? Yeah, I think every day we look at the calendar and be like, oh, crap, it's the last sooner than we think. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so are you worried at all that you might cry during the wedding? I'm going to cry 100%. I already know. You know, you already know. There's I already no know. doubt. And with us, we had that same conversation of doing the first look. And my fiance, Kelsey, wanted to do it. And I had to convince her that I didn't want to because I don't want to see her beforehand. Like, I want that moment of when she's walking down the aisle to be the first time I see her in her wedding dress. Because I know that's going to be an emotional thing that I could never get back. So I, I want to ex- chills hearing you talk about that. <laughs> I want to experience that. And I had to tell her, like, I, I want to see you walking down the aisle for the first time. And I know it's probably going to make me cry. But I think that's worth more than having, like, pictures together that first look I guess that's what that whole thing is well, it's it's just meant to have like a private moment for you to have that first look instead of in front of everybody yeah but also like I feel like having it in front of everybody kind of adds to it because 
technically all those people are part of your story, right? Like your guys' love story. Those are all your friends who, you know, cherished you and supported you guys along the way. So I feel like it's kind of cool and it adds more to that moment. Yeah. To I like think, have them. Yeah. Yeah. I think I just, rem I would remember that more than having that private moment together. Well, yeah, and you get to see her in her dress for the first time. Yeah. Which she looks stunning, by the way. Yeah. She brought it home, <laughs> like, I guess, uh, what do you get, like, alterations or whatever yes. to it? And I was like, I don't want to see it. <laughs> get it out. Put it in the other room. So do you guys plan to write your own vows? Yeah, we were okay. writing our own vows. I've already started working on mine. Like, I'll get an idea. I'll jot it down. And I'll kind of build off of that. But, yeah, it's, it's a weird thing to sit down and write because <laughs> you're like, how am I going to in words describe everything I've ever felt or what I want to say do I make a joke do I not <laughs> do I go just full-on romantic like what do I do here so I have about two different ways it could go it could kind of go a little more light-hearted but then serious at the end or just full-on try to make her cry <laughs> which <laughs> poor Kelsey I'm so sorry <laughs> which way are you leaning to kind of in this moment I mean, I think kind of in the middle, I think right now the version I have is like a small lighthearted story at the beginning with a little joke and then just kind of bringing it back into being serious. And I think that'll make me more comfortable when delivering it because a bit of it I'm worried of like, what if I get emotional in the <laughs> moment and I'm like crying or something and can't get the words out and I don't want to be up there like stalling, trying to like get out my vows. So I think if I have a little bit of lightheartedness at the beginning, it'll help me get through the rest of it. Okay, I feel like that's a good, like, balance of the two, too. Yeah, and I mean, I, I'm not going to get up there and do, like, a stand-up yeah. thing, but have, like, a little bit of fun. I don't think you could do your vows without having a joke. I think Kelsey would be sad if it weren't. I feel like that's who you are. Yeah. So, oh, my gosh, I'm going to cry. Like, just hearing you talk about it, I'm, like, tearing up. I'm like, this is not good. <laughs> not good for anybody. Okay, so vows, we got those. Is there any other, like, big updates? I mean, you guys are, like, 40 days. 45? I mean, somewhere Something like that. <laughs> so is there any other like big updates, things happening? Are you guys stressed out? Is everybody hanging on okay? Yeah, I think we're all good. I think the next step is we have to go get our marriage license. And you have to go back to Texas Yeah, because right? we're getting married in Texas. So coming up next week, we have to, because you have to get it like a month out or so. So we're going to go get our marriage license. And I think that's, for me, when it's going to feel the most real. <laughs> and like, she'll text me randomly like, um like future almost husband oh. and I think seeing that word kind of written out is kind of starting to hit me more that I am going to be married have a wife I'm going to be somebody's husband and then I think when we go to get our license it's going to feel like real like oh. for the first time ever so I think that's the next big step we're doing have you guys had the and you don't have to answer if you guys haven't if you guys had the discussion about is she going to take your last name does she plan to keep hers do you guys know uh, I believe she is taking my last name and then uh, I think she's going to change her middle name to her last name right now. Okay. Because yeah. um, her kind of story is interesting because her dad passed away when she was young. She never really knew him. So she's kind of the last one who has that last name. So I told her, like, if you don't want to change your last name, don't change it. Oh, like, I, you know what, Mike, I, I already <laughs> respected the crap out of you, but now I'm just like, oh, okay, I'm melting in my heart. Cause I was like, that's your, I mean, that's your dad's last name. That's like the last thing of him that you have a connection with. And I was like, if you don't want to change it, don't change it. You don't have to take my last name. It really means nothing to me. Like if you do or not, but she's like, I want to take your last name. I'm going to do it and just switch it over. Oh my God. I, 
I I think that's the first time you've really shared that story. Yeah. I mean, I've known that story because I know you guys, but I mean, that's a really emotional story for Kelsey, and that's a big part of y'all's life and yeah. her life. So that's so cool. Yeah, that's the other thing we're thinking of. Like, I kind of brought the idea to her of um, honoring her dad at the wedding in a way, and I was like, we just should leave a seat at the front for him, like an empty seat, just where he would have been. Oh, and you guys are doing that. <laughs> yeah, we're going to do that. I love that. Because you're, I mean, both of your parents are going to be there. Her mom's going to be there. Yeah. And her stepdad. Yep. So, I mean, big family, which also they haven't really met entirely yet. No, when we go for the marriage license, they, they're going to meet. Okay, so that's going to yeah. happen before the wedding. Yeah. Okay, are you getting like a get-together, kind of like a pre-wedding party? Yeah, like a pre-wedding party to plan everything, kind of if we need anybody to help out, kind of meeting type thing is what's oh. <laughs> happening but mainly just so everybody can meet each other for the first time and it not be at the wedding where everybody's like hey nice to finally meet you <laughs> well and i don't feel like there should be any nerves with that at this point because you and kelsey are so in love like nothing's gonna change anything about how y'all feel about each other no it'll just be them meeting and yeah everybody already kind of knows about each other and should like each other so it should be fine <laughs> okay <laughs> before i am gonna like just start crying talking about all this you guys can hear bobby talk about his first look what he's gonna cry about but also i'm so excited to get more updates from mike because i'm gonna have him on again at some point either before the wedding or right after so we can get all the details there Ooh, we go one last thing before we go honeymoon do you guys have honeymoon plans not really because i don't know if we're gonna do one right away i think we may wait do like a mini moon the weekend after and then plan a bigger honeymoon later okay and do you know where you guys want to go someplace tropical somewhere on a beach right <laughs> somewhere on a beach <laughs> <laughs> okay well, here we go. Now here's the segment. I'm done asking questions because I'm going to start crying. Number three. They're calling her a bridezilla as being slammed because she made 11 strict rules for her wedding guests. Sometimes we hear about the wedding party. It's like, can't have your hair like this. Can't have your dress like this. Be skinnier. Be fatter. There's all these rules. And we're like, what's happening here? But she sent a rule, a rule out to the, to the everybody's going to be the a guest. people that are going to the wedding. They're sitting in the chair. Uh -huh. Okay, let's just see if we think the rules are out of line, okay, of the 11. Number one, don't wear white. Yeah. Sure. That's that fine. Makes sense. makes sense. Give that a ding. I feel like, yeah, such an unspoken rule. Yeah. There you go. One correct. Please don't show up late after the ceremony has started or the middle of the ceremony. Yeah. It's fine. Good rule. I got no problem with that rule. Good. No cell phones during the ceremony. That's, That's fine. Good. sense. It feels <laughs> a bit aggressive, but I agree with it. When everybody's phone's out, because I don't think we're having cell phones at our wedding at all. We're going to do like Chris Rock does, put them we in a bag. We check the nice. phones. We have to check our phones. Yeah. Like in a basket. I think, I'm not sure how we do it. Like a coat check, but a phone check. Maybe we just say no phones out. I'm not sure, yeah. but I don't, I think we're going to have phones. At the reception's fine, but yeah. the ceremony. I can't remember. Did Lunchbox allow phones? Because I'm wondering why we didn't get him on video crying. Right. Because Good there question. was no crying. Exactly. Because you guys lie a lot, but that's okay. We were seated <laughs> in the very back. And yeah. we saw it. And but we, I would have yeah. zoomed in on that. Uh, number four. But, but we feel okay about no cell phones, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, me too. Okay. Number four, pace yourself when drinking. Oh, that's dumb. I mean, I feel like it's a dumb rule to have to state. Right. But, but, but people are going to break that. Mm -hmm. yeah, and maybe she has some people where they need to be reminded. But which... I think you remind them separately. Okay, so are you going <laughs> to say that to, like, I don't know, Ray and Eddie? Um, I've already had a talk with Eddie. Uh-huh. No, so... There's no drinky before the wedding. Right. No drinky before the wedding, but after the wedding's over, party, party. Yeah, at reception, have at it. Okay. Ray, you're not able to show up after the, the 
you have to be there on time. Yeah, yeah, I got you. And I'll just have a couple. Don't even no, worry about no, me. No, no, <laughs> no. drinking before the no wedding. No drinking before the wedding. Um, but I think she's wrong on that one. Pace yourself when drinking. I think everyone should, but I don't think that needs to be told. Before. Next one. Don't get in the photographer's way. Well, that's it's a good note. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's a good, I don't think about it, but maybe that's a good note. The next one. No bringing in or trying to smuggle your own drinks. I mean, crazy. You have to remind people of that. Well, I mean. But it's your, I don't really care if someone brings in their own drinks. I mean, I don't want them to walk in with a cooler, but if someone has a flask, like, is that, <laughs> that, with a Yeti. that that big of a deal? No rushing anyone. That's a dumb rule to have to put in there. No trying to change things about the decorations. That's weird. Yeah, who would do that? Yeah. Well, we did talk about your cake. No nitpicking, no big announcements or proposals. Nice. That's a good one. That, yes. That's kind of a funny one. And then finally, no posting to social media before us. Mm-hmm. Boom. That's, that's, that's a good rule. Yeah. That's like, hey, because they're busy. They can't be on their phone and they don't want everybody else posting all this stuff. Except for like if we're at your wedding reception and we pull up Instagram stories and you haven't posted anything yet, are we not allowed to you gotta post wait. it? You got to wait. Yeah, you need to wait. No, I mean, this was her rule. So you're adopting this as your rule? Mm-hmm. From your reception. There's no way we're going to beat Bobby to the social media post. There's no well, way. Well, if I'm tied up in the middle of the wedding, I can't post. No, no, but no phones. No phones allowed. So we can't. True. Um, I, I'm not sure, but I, I have to ask the boss. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know who she is. I do. Yeah, I do. <laughs> For sure. Uh, how do we feel about this list of wedding rules? Are we mostly okay with it? Yeah, mostly. Yeah, not I a bridezilla. Not bad. Right, not a bad. I feel like she's just being logical. Yeah. There's just a couple where I would go, you know, don't tell people to pay someone drinking. Just hope they will. And the people you're worried about have a little conversation with them on this. <laughs> but, like, don't change decorations. Who's going in and try to home makeover that thing? I don't know. Yeah. She must have some funny friends. Um, that being said, I will answer a question about my wedding that a lot of people are asking. And the question was, are we going to do a first look? Which I didn't even know what that meant until recently. What is that? Exactly. At the dress? Yeah, well, some people will take a picture, do their pictures before they get married. I did. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Other people will wait till after because they don't want to see them before they walk down the aisle. And I was asked what I wanted to do. And I don't want to see her before I walk down the aisle. So pictures after the wedding. Pictures after, oh. yeah. And it may take a little longer, but that's okay. Hey, don't rush. Don't We can't rush you. That's I don't want, I, I want to feel that emotion. Mm-hmm. You know, if I want to cry, I'm going to let it go right there. I'm worried, <laughs> though, that I'll be saying, because I'm, I'm riding my vows, I'm worried that I'm not going to be able to get through them. Because you're going to be crying. I don't know. I might... I don't do things halfway. Like, I can't just, I won't just get a sniffle in or out. I will be bawling <laughs> or I will be able to control it and then cry later. But I don't, we're not doing a first look. As of right now, we're going to just, I, I want to wait and see her and then move on with the ceremony. Yeah, makes sense. Bones, as your best man, if you start like crying and bawling and everything, do you want me to hold you while that's happening or just leave you alone? Hold him. No, you're supposed to offer the. I do like. Square, to, I do right? like to be held. <laughs> no, you can't hold. If him you can just rub my shoulder, okay. a little, little tap, and then maybe just to rub the shoulder. Yeah, just give me a little shoulder rub. Give you a handkerchief. Uh, and then you can like run your hands down my waist <laughs> and like rock me back and forth. <laughs> then everyone's like, "What is going on?" <laughs> It's the best bits of the week with Morgan number two. Going from something super emotional and so sweet to something really funny that happened on the show this week. We had a drawing to see who on the show of the guys has to carry a purse after Harry Styles was in the news for carrying a purse. So Mike D., you got chosen. Yeah. And, and it I, was your bit. And I came up with the idea. <laughs> I saw the picture in GQ magazine and I was like, hey, that'd be funny to do. And a little bit when I wrote it, I was like, you know what? 
I kind of don't want to send this in because if I get picked, I had a feeling that I was going to get picked. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I think it'd be funny. What are the chances I actually get picked? And then we drew names and it was me. I mean, to be fair, out of all of the guys on our show, I feel like you're the one that could pull it off the most, though. That kind of pop runk, pop, not runk, pop <laughs> rock style S, like they really do so many different trends yeah. that I feel like that just kind of fits in that vibe. It's just kind of like whatever they're doing is whatever. Yeah, as I've been wearing it, I feel like if I had one that was a little more functional for me, I think I could see myself doing it. <laughs> like a black satchel, Yeah, maybe? like something a little more like, yeah, like a messenger bag type of situation. Not so much just a straight on purse. But it <laughs> Like does, your mom's purse kind like of thing. Like my mom's <laughs> purse. But I could see it having some use. Like, like I have a bunch of random things that I don't know where to put. They're in my pockets randomly. Throwing them all in one bag could be helpful well we we never really talked about this but the whole reason that purses were such a big thing for women is because we didn't have pockets like in jeans and things those were the first times we would get pockets like you'd have skirts and dresses you never had pockets so you had to carry something with but i think what's funny about that too is that guys they do have pockets but like I'll see guys and you'll see like 80 different things bulging out of their pants because they have everything <laughs> stuffed in their pockets yeah. and you're like, okay, there's a lot <laughs> going on there. So I feel like we need to normalize like these kind of merces as we want to call them a man purse or a satchel or a fanny pack type thing for guys. Yeah. Somebody tagged me in a picture of Blanco Brown wearing one and I was like, man, he rocks it. Like yeah. if you get one that looks kind of your style, you can do it. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, yes, what you're carrying around is this brown, like, straight up purse that yeah. is like your mom's purse you're carrying. Yeah. You get like one that's like a crossbody and it's black and it and it fits with your whole vibe. I don't see why anybody would like call you on that. They'd be like, okay, that's a good idea. Yeah, but the one I have been carrying, I wore it to the gas station earlier this week. <laughs> and? and I got some looks. Oh. And it's weird just to walk in wearing a purse with nobody knows why you're doing it, but it was just kind of a weird feeling. Yeah. But so did in your relationship with Kelsey, has she ever been like, Hey, can you hold my bag really quickly? Did you ever feel weird about that? Yeah, the weekend before we did this bit, we were at the mall and she had to go to the bathroom. So I was holding her purse and I was like, Let me go walk around and look around. And I was just walking around the the mall with the purse and I was like, Hey, it's kind of the same situation now. <laughs> and then I was like, Are you gonna be embarrassed to go out with me in public having to carry the purse? And she was like, Well, the fact that we'll both be carrying one might be a little awkward. <laughs> it's a it's a game changer, the things that are happening. But, I mean, I'm here for it. I feel like it could be really useful for y'all. Especially you guys don't have to carry backpacks. When I see, like, a 35-year-old a man walking in with a backpack, I'm like, yo, just get that man, like, a satchel because he's not in school anymore. <laughs> that is true. I mean, I still have a backpack, too, so I maybe I convert it. It's like, it's like the adult version of it you know it's just one of those things where you're like there's functional things for each like you get a briefcase if you work at you know you're an attorney or something maybe like a satchel is your like adult version of a backpack i feel like you're you could still rock a backpack until you're like 35 so you got you got time <laughs> but like when you get into those older phases and you start to become a dad and stuff i think you could carry like a really cool satchel and it's not a big deal yeah because i could never imagine myself in a briefcase right <laughs> I think about a briefcase if I ever had to carry one of those and I, it just doesn't feel like it fits my vibe. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so you have how many days left do you have to wear? Are you done after this weekend? No, all the way to Tuesday. Okay, so a few more days left. Do you plan to go anywhere with it just to kind of experiment? 
Uh, I'm going to go to like the grocery store and see what they say about it. <laughs> I've tried to go into gas stations. I've gotten no reactions. So I got some places to hit this weekend. Maybe a restaurant? Yeah, a restaurant. See if, see if somebody will like mention something. You just I like, just want to get one compliment. <laughs> somebody be like, hey, that looks really good on you. Like I wasn't going to say anything, but you look great in it. That's all I need. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we will get an update, I'm sure, next week. But hear this segment of Mike, you know, his own bit backfiring on him yeah. <laughs> and he now has to wear a purse for a week number two so i love harry styles he's wearing he's carrying a purse around that's cool think about if it wasn't assigned to a certain sex we carry a big bag around nobody would judge us okay i think you guys have an advantage a purse carries so much more than a wallet what would you carry in the purse that you you're not able to carry in a wallet Oh boy! Every my, day, my pistol. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, really. Like what? You now get to leave the house with more things. Yeah. So what do you put in there? Food. Uh, maybe a snack, an extra pair of underwear. You never know when that's going to be needed. That's good. Your keys, so you don't have to put. A, they're all clunky in my pocket, cutting into my leg. Mm. Ooh, gum. What kind of keys? I'll are carry you gum all the time. <laughs> How many Amy, doors also, are you opening? I also work in this janitor in school. <laughs> okay. What no, else? but I'm just saying. There's probably, I probably don't even know the options mm-hmm. that are given to me yet. Right. And everybody's like, look at Harry Styles carrying a purse. And I'm like, look at Harry Styles carrying a purse. Normalizing it, hopefully. He also paints his nails like Eddie did. Yeah, see? I tried guy pearls for a while. He does that, yeah. So what we're going to do <laughs> is we're going to draw a name, and one of you guys gets to be <sighs> Harry Styles for a week and carry around a purse. All week. No, you can keep your wallet in the purse, but it can't come out of the purse. Okay. All right, let's draw the names here. Oh, God. And, like, when you go places, you oh, have to, you like, if there's put a pi- your purse up. If there pull- is a picture of you taken somewhere and you don't have your purse oh, with you, great. it's a $100 fine. <laughs> now you're what? giving the listeners a job. <laughs> it's a $100 fine. <laughs> so, listeners, be cool about it. No, don't they do won't it. Be. So, I'm going to draw. When I draw, your name is eliminated. <laughs> okay. What, this person? What? what? It, it is ugly. Where? Is that- is, can, I, can't get us a coach or I mean, anything? I could supply y'all with a, per, a different purse if you want. Yeah, I need a Louie, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Harry Styles ain't got that purse. He ain't got no plug. Yeah. This is like Aunt Rose's. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> All right, are we ready? Yeah. The first name, because oh, there God. are a few guy names in here. It's uh, me, Eddie Lunchbox, Raymundo, our audio producer, Mike D, and Scuba Steve. Who will do the Harry Styles challenge? They have oh. to carry this purse from... Tuesday to Tuesday. The first name eliminated that doesn't have to carry the purse Let's is... Let's go. Yeah. Eddie. Yeah! You've got to be kidding me. Woo! How does this happen? Well, it just does. It just does. It just does. Good. Yeah. You want, to, you, want to, you want to sign it, Eddie? No, we're good. Next up. Ugh, come on, They're all please. tangled. They're all tangled. That's me. Eliminated? Raymundo. See? You. Yeah! <laughs> Lunchbox! <laughs> gonna be lunchbox again stop what? thinking that it's gonna be you no i don't but every you name that comes out there's something like a magnet why do you just... always win these you don't win games but you win these yeah you don't no, win because the lottery, this, this has nothing this. to do with music that's why i can't win i, I win these yeah, so with the next person come on that doesn't have to carry the purse is who was steve that's me that's a long name bobby <laughs> amy you can draw the last ones there are how many names left? Uh, it's me, Mike three. D, and, and Scuba the Bag Carrier. Come on. Okay, go ahead. Amy. The next person who doesn't have Amy, to carry it. We've been friends for so long. Ah, yeah! Oh. Amy's my girl! <laughs> Amy's my girl! Yeah! Woo! Right. Love you, Amy! Yeah, yeah, yeah! Okay, 
Okay, the next person we draw has to carry the purse, okay? Oh, wow. Just so it's known. Uh -oh. The next name we draw will be carrying the purse for a week in the Harry Styles Challenge. Amy, don't don't open it yet. Okay. Oh, that's the winner. Down below. On the count of three, we'll say it. One, two, three. Mike D! <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Yeah. So, this person <laughs> so is like immature. 10 years old, too. It is like 10 and... No, I think it's older. Yeah. It's older than 10 years well, old? I don't know. <laughs> well, so, Mike D, um, you're going to carry the purse around for a week. Okay. Uh, Mike D is our, our writer. He writes a lot of games. But I would even venture to say you wrote this segment. I did, and I'm kind of regretting <laughs> yeah. it. I thought it would be funny at the time. And I was like, what are the chances I'd get picked for this? <laughs> and here we go. It's just funny when his own sword. He cut. He made his own sword. <laughs> he, and then he has to. He gets cut by it. Yes. Okay, Mike. Okay. This, here you go. Here's your purse. All right. Question. Question. Can he buy his way out? I don't think so. Okay. I think he just lives with it. He's got to carry it every day for a week. We're gonna give it to him now. Here you go, buddy. Right. We better not see you with anything but that purse. Looks Put it good. on your shoulder, dude. Yeah, and when you walk, it's got to be on your shoulder, right? Oh, my gosh. That looks so <laughs> Oh, good. that's cute, Mike. It is good, yeah. Oh, Are you going to do that one or the black one? I mean, the black one kind of matches more. Yeah, matches your style. Yeah, he's kinda more. Pumped. No, I think you got to wear the tan because it sticks out more. People yeah, can I can notice that. It. Tan, 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 tan. It honestly, uh, I can I, He's pulling it off a little bit. Yeah, hairstyle challenge. Okay. Yeah, he's pulling it off in the studio as we're all laughing at him. Congratulations, Mike D. Nice, nice bit, buddy. <laughs> it's the best bits of the week Show. with Morgan number two. Now coming in at number one is the legend. Alan Jackson was on our show this week. He's about to drop a new album for the first time in a few years. And let me just tell y'all, Alan Jackson is one of my all-time favorites. After this interview, I think I had Itty Bitty on repeat for like, I don't know, the whole week. And now I still do. So listen to this interview, y'all, because Alan Jackson not only talks about like a lot of his big hits, but he also talks about the one song that his wife thought was stupid and it ended up being a number one. Plus, he didn't think Chattahoochee was going to be the hit that it was. And just, just there's so much in here. It's such a good interview. And it's Alan Jackson. So even if you listen to it this week, I'm telling you, listen to it again. And then go watch the interview on our YouTube page, Bobby Bone Show, because it's that good. So here we go. Alan Jackson, we love you. Number one. Uh, Mr. Jackson, I, I call you that, you know, just uh, out of respect. I don't know, for an interview, should I call you Alan? Like, how do you want me to refer to you publicly? Because I would call you Mr. Jackson if I saw you in person. No, I, I like just my first name. Fine. Right. Whatever you feel comfortable with, I don't really care. All right, Mr. Just Alan Jackson. Call, just don't call me Al. <laughs> well, that's wasn't that your name early on, though? Didn't people call you Al? Weren't you using that as your name? Just people that didn't like me called me that. <laughs> when no, no, nobody ever called me Al. They called me AJ, or, you know, that kind of thing. Back in, like, 86 or so, when yeah. you were on You Can Be a Star on TNN, which, by the way, my grandma and I would watch TNN all the time. That's where we watched That's where I really fell in love with the Opry was TNN. Like, yeah. did... Did anyone come off of that show, You Can Be a Star Other Than Yourself? Do you remember anybody else on that show? Well, the truth is I wasn't a contestant on that show, you know. I, I worked at TNN in the mailroom, and so the people that worked there with me knew I was aspiring to be a singer and songwriter, and 
one day I was just standing around backstage when that show was taping. They said, Hey, we need somebody else to sing going into commercial. Cause they pull people out of the audience to sing just a guest audience member, just to sing going into the commercial. And they asked me if I wanted to sing. And so I jumped up there. So you jump from working for the network backstage to just hopping on stage. Do you remember that and thinking, Holy crap, this is a big performance here. Or was it just another day because you were playing at night already anyway? No, that was a huge, I mean, that was the first time I'd ever done anything in front of a camera, I would imagine. And I had my old brown cowboy hat back back there, you know, that I, the first cowboy hat I'd ever bought and owned, and I stuck it on my head and went out there and sang a George Jones song. If you go out in public now and you're not wearing your cowboy hat, will people know that it's you? Uh, I get recognized uh, quite a bit with just a ball cap or something on it. It's, you know, you're more... Uh, diehard fans that know me well, but I, I think as I've gotten older, I don't look quite as same as some of those early videos. So, <laughs> but yeah, I don't. Uh, cowboy hat definitely uh, you stand out a little more. Uh, on with Alan Jackson right now, which, by the way, the full album "Where Have You Gone" available May fourteenth. Um, but we got a couple songs out now. Let's let's talk about some of them. Let's. Why don't we talk first about "Where Have You Gone"? You wrote the song by yourself, right? Yeah. Yes. Now, nowadays, most writing is happening in rooms of two and three, sometimes four. How common was it back 10, 15, 20 years ago to actually write a song by yourself versus, to, you know, like it is now? I don't think it was much different uh, back then. If you're a, a songwriter in Nashville or an artist hanging around town and you're writing with other writers, uh, I, I would typically write with somebody else or maybe three, but occasionally I'd write something by myself. I think, uh, I just kind of grew into it because once my career took off, I was gone all the time, you know, and, uh, I was on the road. So I was pretty much had to write by myself unless somebody wanted to come with me. And, and it, that's how it just kind of uh, developed, I guess. How do you know when you write by yourself, if it's actually good, because anytime I write jokes by myself or anytime I write in dopey songs, like I kind of need that other person to tell me that I'm not that funny. Like when you're yeah. writing, how, how do you know if you're like, yep, I did it all. I know it's good. Well, I, I don't know if I know that either. I think you definitely, when you write something of uh, your own and you're singing it, you, you get real close to it. It's hard to have a perspective of somebody that's never heard it before, but you know, my wife's a pretty good uh, board to bounce it off of. And, and uh, you know, I think I, I just feel like I, I know when when uh, gut instinct tells me usually if it's a pretty good song and I'm not always right, but I mean, I've written a lot of things that I, I realized weren't top shelf and uh, everybody does. So you don't really know. I mean, like Denise, one time I, I wrote this song uh, that, uh, that she uh, told me was stupid and it went on to be a number one hit. <laughs> and, uh, so you never know. And what song was that? If we can ask, uh, Gosh, I wish you hadn't asked me that now. It's not I'm in love with you, baby. It's uh, uh, I can't remember. If it comes to you, let yeah. us know. Did you ever have a song that you wrote? I mean, you're in the Songwriter Hall of Fame, so you know, you're writing song after song, great songs. But did you ever have a song and you thought, I don't think that song's going to do much, but then it ended up being a big smash and you were surprised by it? Uh, yes, Chattahoochee. Mm -hmm. When you finished Chattahoochee, you finished writing in that room that day. Did you go, all right, this is never going to be heard by anybody other than us who wrote the song? Well, Jim McBride and I wrote that, and uh, I just 
thought that it was, uh, you know, a title of, uh, of the name of a river in Georgia that I grew up on and around and, and nobody, unless they were from that area, were even going to know what in the world I was singing about. And it was, I guess the song was really more than that. It was, it was a growing up kind of coming of age song in a small town. And, and I realized later that everybody had a Chattahoochee or something like that. So they related to it regardless of, of the title. So I was wrong on that one. I mean, I still play that song about once every two weeks. I will play Chattahoochee just because I feel like playing Chattahoochee. And here we are this many years later. Do you ever hear it on the radio today? And you're like, dang, I cannot believe that song is still sounding good. Well, I, I don't, uh, I hear my songs every now and then. Yeah, they all surprise me. <laughs> They're still out there. But yeah, I get, uh, I mean, I've sung that thing a million times, you know, on stage and people still jump up on their feet when they, they love that thing. So a couple songs I want to talk about in the new project, Y'all Always Be My Baby and I yeah. Do. Now, they were both written for your daughter's wedding. Is that true? That's absolutely right. My oldest daughter, Maddie, was the first to get married uh, three or four years ago now. And uh, they wanted a song. She wanted me to write a song for the father-daughter dance, you know, that they do at the reception. And so I, I wrote that. And then I, I told all three of my girls, I said, look, I wrote this song for the dance. And. I'm, I'm not going to write one for every, every wedding. So all three of y'all got to use this. <laughs> so, so far I've, it, I've used it twice. <laughs> Did you ever early in your career play a wedding to make some extra cash? Very rarely, but I did do a couple that were friends of um, my wife. I think even after I came to Nashville, uh, my steel player that's been with me for about 30 years, he was in that little band and we went down to Atlanta and played this, little backyard reception for this wedding and he still every now and then will bring that up and laugh about it us playing that wedding i, was I sang at my own wedding wait say that again i need to hear you say that again you did what when denise and i got married you know i was singing then just kind of you know weekend warrior thing in georgia and, and so when we got married uh, we said our vows and before you do the ring thing i sang this wedding song uh Pat Terry was a Christian writer around Atlanta area wrote it and uh, it's a real pretty song and I stood there and sang it to her and up to the, up on, looked at the church in front of everybody that was hard yeah I was I was gonna say how hard was that to sing at your own wedding I mean I feel, I feel like I'd probably be a bit emotional while I was doing it yeah I, I think I was just more nervous and scared than I was emotional but yeah well, I got through it pretty good I thought <laughs> Alan Jackson's on with us right now. Hey, uh, what role did you have? And I asked this from someone who was in musicals myself back in the day. In Oklahoma, if if I'm correct, you were in the production of Oklahoma. Who were you? Oklahoma? Gosh, yeah. I don't know the characters by name, but uh, uh, I don't know who. It, uh, did you sing, that, oh, what a beautiful morning? Was that you at all? Yeah, I know the songs. Yeah, I, I would probably have sung that. Uh, I actually was in a play in high school uh, that had a, it was a musical, and I was one of the main guys in there, and uh, I sang uh, the old John Denver song, Country Boy, in there. The uh, Thank God I'm a Country Boy, that one? Yeah, thank, thank God I'm a Country Boy, yeah. You sang Thank God I'm a Country Boy in a high school play? I did. That was the kickoff of my career. If, <laughs> I'm looking at your list here, and I think I know every one of your number ones by heart and, you know, many of the other ones as well. Of the 35 number ones, I mean, you Where I come from. 
That's the one. We're going back in time. That's the one. Denise said that was stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. See, I knew we would get there eventually. Yes. Uh, You can't possibly play all your number ones in a set at a single show, right? How do you decide which big, which biggest songs you're going to play? Well, I guess over the years I've, I've tried to just bounce it back and forth with the audience and figure out which ones I feel like uh, that they respond well to and also which which songs fit together in a couple of hours. And I mean, it's tough. It's tough. I mean, I've had 60 or 70 singles, you know, that have been either one or five or top 10 hits. And I mean, I couldn't remember them all if you asked me. And uh, it's, it's it makes me feel really bad. Sometimes I'll see a a fan out there holding up a sign of a particular song from 20 years ago that I hadn't sung in a long time. And, uh, you know, I just can't, most time I couldn't do it if, uh, but every now and then they'll hold something up and I can remember enough to sing the chorus or something for them. And that's, that's kind of fun to do, but it is, it's very, it makes me feel bad. I know some people come to hear one particular song and you just don't get to do it for them. So I try to just pick the biggest ones and the ones that have affected the most people or, or that I enjoy as well. How did you earn money to buy your very first ever guitar back in the day? Uh, well, I didn't buy it. My, my mom and daddy gave it to me when I was 16 for a birthday. Yeah. Still got was that it. Because, was that because <laughs> they knew you wanted to play guitar? Had you expressed, hey, I would love to be able to afford a guitar, and they went and got you one? Well, yeah, I guess so. I, I'd been singing, you know, at, at church some and that kind of thing, and I was dating this girl who had a younger sister who played a 12-string guitar, and and we started singing together just doing some kind of folky stuff and not really country stuff much but uh church kind of stuff mainly and i started playing uh just doing that and then i uh i met a a boy that was a friend of one of my older sisters and he uh played electric guitar and sang real country stuff i mean gene watson and haggard and all that stuff and he's the one that really turned me on to it and got me a singing, he sang a real good harmony, and we formed a little duo, and it grew into a band later, and that's what led me to Nashville, really. When you moved to Nashville, was it to be a songwriter or to be a performer? A uh, singer. Uh, I'd never written a song in my life until when I was singing with that band, and and uh, everybody kept telling me, you ought to go to Nashville, you know? And so I, I didn't know much about, I didn't know anything about the music business or recording or anything, and this one old guy in noon and a young man that had a band, a rock band. He played in Atlanta some, he had a little four track studio in his basement or something. He's the only guy I ever knew that recorded. And so I asked him about it. He said, yeah, if you go to Nashville, you know, you can't go up there singing everybody else's songs. You need your original material to show them who you are. So I started writing songs. And uh, when I came to Nashville, I had a paper sack full of songs and a lot of those ended up on the first two or three records. And, when you started writing songs, because like you say, you didn't have a huge history of writing songs before you got to Nashville. Was there, did, did it come to you pretty easy or did you have to take a long time and, and kind of labor to learn how to actually write a good catchy song? Well, I think some of it, you got some kind of natural ability to hear melodies and, and make it rhyme. But, uh, you know, it's a craft. I thought, you know, the more I wrote and wrote with experienced writers, I learned, but I mean, the first month or two I moved to Nashville, you know, uh, I'd never lived anywhere. And my wife was working a job to pay our bills. I mean, she was out of town most of the time. I was up here by myself, lonely. And it was sad. And the first month or so I was there, I, uh, I wrote a song for my mama for the Mother's Day that was coming up right after I'd moved here. And 
and it was called Home. It's a song about my mom and daddy in the house they grew up in, and it's a true story, a bunch of facts scribbled down, and uh, that was one of the first songs I wrote when I came to town, and it went on to be a, a hit, you know, years later, and so you just, you know, you never know. You write something like that that comes out of you that's personal. Sometimes it writes itself more, you know. You know, of the songs that you have written that ended up, again, being big smashes that have gone generationally, which one of them kind of fell out of you the fastest? Where you just kind of sat down an hour and a half, you're like, well, we got a song here, and then it turned into a big hit. Gosh, I don't, that's, I've had a lot of them come to me that way. Um, I would think the one that, that was the most inspirational in a almost spiritual way you know, was uh, Where Were You when I just, got up in the middle of the night and there was that song, you know, and I wrote the chorus down and, and, uh, that whole thing just came out of nowhere. And then the next morning I started scribbling all those little verse things down about uh, different visions I'd seen during all the turmoil on television and here and hearing people's stories. But yeah, that one, uh, was almost uh, God sent, you know, Alan Jackson's on. Where Have You Gone is his first album in six years. It'll be available May 14th. He got 21 performances. We've talked about a bunch of the songs so far, but uh, no record for six years. Are you a guy that can separate and just put music and life in separate places and just live your life and not worry so much about music for a while? Oh, definitely so, yeah. I, I've always, when I come off the road, I'm off the road, and, and uh, I've always enjoyed just life with my family and doing things that, that I've always enjoyed doing even before I had any money to do it, you know, and it's, uh, it's wonderful. I, I, I think that's one thing that's helped me stay more focused and grounded and be able to write songs that still connect with people is I, I've never really worked hard to be in the spotlight. I got two final questions for you. Uh, Mr. Jack, Alan, Alan, my friend, Alan, that's what I should say. My friend, Alan, uh, we have two final questions for you. Um, the first song on your set list, if you were to go out tonight, you hadn't played in a while, what's the first song you play when the crowd's out there going, Alan, Alan? I usually kick off a of Gone Country because I just it's just a great opening song and, and a good track for that. And I've been doing that for years. And it, it, it leads into the show real well. And uh, the crowd seems to they like that. It's like it's, it's the, the statement, you know, to kick off the song, uh, show. What do you close with? Uh, typically we get down to Chattahoochee, uh, I do like a, a running little set of five o'clock and Chattahoochee. And then I come do some Mercury blues sometimes at the end. Oh, come on. Mercury blues. That's my jam. <laughs> That's my jam. I, listen, all I think about is home improvement and that car turning around and Tim, the tool oh, man, yeah. Taylor and Al Borland. And you're up there. I'm going to buy me a Mercury and cruise it up and down <laughs> a row. That, That's it for me. That's my childhood. Oh, I love it. Okay, here's the real final question. Okay, your wife's maiden name was Jackson. Did she even have to change her name legally after you got married? I don't guess so. I don't. It, I don't it's the it. same Jackson, right? You just Jackson's Jackson. Far, yeah, as far as I know, we're probably related somewhere down the tree. But, uh, <laughs> so so far, it has, you know, all our children turn out normal. So okay, yeah. there we have it. Upcoming album, Where Have You Gone? Out May 14th. Let me encourage you guys. Check out Where Have You Gone. Check out You'll Always Be My Baby. Check out things that matter. Way down on my whiskey. 
Mr. Jackson, <laughs> Alan, thank you very much. Just a massive fan. Appreciate your time. I would say good luck with your career, but uh, I think you already won. So you're the winner, and we're lucky to, to have you around. Well, thanks for talking to me. I appreciate it. Good to see you. Bye, Alan. Bye-bye. It's the best bits of the week with Morgan number two. That's a wrap for this week's show. Thank you all for hanging out with me and Mike D. We had so much fun talking about all the things from his wedding to his dream job to TV shows. We even geeked out a little bit on some Marvel stuff. So I hope you guys had fun. I had a great time. Make sure you follow this show on all the things at Bobby Bones Show. And you can relive all these moments plus so much more at BobbyBones.com. Also, you can follow me on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, you know, all the things at WebGirlMorgan. I post some weird things. I just did the Jeep challenge where I did a handstand into my Jeep. I know, crazy stuff. Also, you can follow Mike Distro at Mike Distro. He's also on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram. Please tweet me, reach out to me, DM me, Instagram story me if you guys loved the podcast, what y'all want to hear more of. I'm loving hanging out with you guys every weekend. Bye. Come on. Bobby Bones, yeah.